They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt and Paul Wooster. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Next Gen On Mission podcast. Uh, My name is Shane Pruitt. I'm the National Next Gen Director for the North American Mission Board. And always with me is my co-host, my brother, my bro, Paul Wooster, who is our National Collegiate Director. What's up, Paul? What's going on, man? I'm excited about this episode. We have one of the swaggiest guys around. You're actually wearing his hat. He's got more swag than uh, we do at Gen Sin. And so we had we got together recently. We're like, we looked over some stuff. T-shirts, hats. Man, I think, what does Ryan not have? Does he have temporary tattoos? Um, mm-hmm. So before we get into our, I'll let you introduce our guest. But man. <laughs> You're right, man. Hey, well, we recently, yeah, had a, a meeting with our marketing team and social team of coming up with some new swag for Jensen and we're like and basically that was the question how do we become more like Ryan Fontenot that was the mm-hmm. question you know and uh, and he does he does have temporary tattoos one time I saw Ryan he had a Jesus saves bro neck tattoo man that was cool <laughs> let's get it let's get it <laughs> yeah and today in honor of having Ryan on I got one of his hats on my no longer lost hat it's one of my favorites so yes today is a dear dear friend of mine Paul and I was, gosh, man, we love Ryan. Uh, Ryan's been such a help to us. Uh, Ryan and I go way back. Um, I count him as a dear, dear friend, one of my closest. And so we're so excited to have Ryan Fontenot on the Next Gen on Mission podcast today as we talk about evangelism and Generation Z and helping ministries come up with evangelism strategies to reach a generation. Uh, Ryan Fontenot is the founder and director of Rage Ministries. Um, he's, a, he's a father uh he is a husband follower of jesus and yeah just an all-around great guy and he is super cool you're right paul man he's very swaggy man he's trendy i want to be like ryan fontenot when i grow up so ryan Mm -hmm. with that Mm -hmm. kind of introduction welcome to the next gen on mission podcast man shane paul thank you guys i did not realize that i was going to be the fashion consultant today but uh hey man we'll uh we'll do what we can do you know i i do love some swag and 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 just to be clear uh the reason that we uh we actually do swag and put it out is to start conversations just like Mm -hmm. that hat shane has on right there i can't tell you the number of Jesus conversations I've gotten to have just because of a statement like that on a hat. And uh, Mm. so, hey, thanks for wearing it and promoting it today. (laughs) Absolutely, man. And it always makes me laugh, dude, because every once in a while, I'll see like a celebrity or influencer that has a shirt on that says, uh, Jesus saves, bro. And people will always tag you in it like, Ryan, is this your shirt? (laughs) (laughs) Love it, dude. There's a lot of people who've put that out now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, man. It, it originated with you, though, man. You were the That's first. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, man, I tell you, I was so thankful for your ministry. Man, for sure. And before we jump in and get too spiritual, tell us one fun fact about Ryan Fontenot that we may not already know, but we definitely need to know. Well, I think uh, the fun fact of my life is that I married my high school sweetheart, who I met in first grade. So we literally have known each other since we were six years old. I don't know that it gets more fun than that, my friend. 
Yes, dude. And I know your wife well, you know, yes. uh, you and your wife are friends of Casey yeah. and I and, yeah. and dude, you're just like Paul and I, you married way over your head. Way up. Heather that. is a uh, top shelf brother for sure. So yeah, dude, wow. you outpunted your coverage for sure. It's no God's doubt. Grace. It's no doubt. No doubt. So Amen. When, my question is, when did you start crushing on her? Was it, was Bro, it second grade? Yeah. Was it, well, know? real quick, real quick story. Sixth grade, we dated for a day. Eighth grade, we dated for a whole week, and oh, then nice. we we actually started dating our junior year in high school. Got married after our junior year in college. So uh, yeah, man, there's some stories to tell for sure. Oh, oh, <laughs> hey, but one hey, but one week in eighth grade—that's a long-term relationship, one, bro. Man. Eighth grade, a week, man. I, I thought that was forever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, my, the sixth grade longest, deal. <laughs> my longest junior high relationship was two weeks. So man, hey, you wow, got it, man. Dude. Doubled up. There yeah, y'all were almost it. to the altar by that point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we even, we didn't even hold hands or anything. It was just. <laughs> no, they none of that. No, sir. <laughs> awesome, man. So great to have you, Ryan. So this question we hit every, every person, every guest that we have. So what do we need to know about Generation Z? Yeah, Paul, appreciate that that question. There's so much, um, but if I had to say, hey, specifically for this podcast, probably the listeners of this podcast and those who'd be interested, I think there's two important things. Number one, to realize that one in three Generation Z teens, um, they have no religious affiliation at all. And uh, that ought to open up our eyes to the reality that the harvest is plentiful. Uh, one out of every three have no mm. religious affiliation at all. But also for us today, this was one I recently read, was this stat about Generation Z Christians is that 44% of teens that claim to be Christians, they disagree that they even have a responsibility to share their faith with others. And so to me, man, not only is the harvest massive, but internally in the church, we need to realize, hey, that call of Jesus to pray for har- pray for laborers, you know, the labors are few. It is a real deal, as real today as it's ever been, that 44% of Christian teens, they just don't think they have a responsibility to share their faith with others. So, and those are two realities I think for today may help shape our conversation of the reality of where we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I see that in you. I see your passion to not only be a laborer in the harvest, like you're just, man, I'm impressed by your schedule, even just like <laughs> how often you are just laying your life down for this next generation so that they can come to know Christ but then you're not just trying to preach. You're also raising up and equipping others. And so we're going to talk about that in this podcast. But before we do that, I'd love to hear your story and how God has birthed this passion in your life. So whatever you feel led to share of your no, story. It's, yeah, man. Thanks for that. I am. Um... Maybe like some of you, maybe not, but I grew up in church. Um, I was part of church my whole life. I grew up in East Texas, so it was very much cultural Christianity. It's what you did going to church on Sunday. You know, what really happened Monday through Saturday, whatever, but on Sunday, you better be at church, right? So I grew up in the church, but I wasn't saved till I was 18 years old. I was a freshman in college, and uh, when I was saved, I realized this, that... um, it, almost instantaneously, I felt this call to tell other people because 
if you would have asked me at 17, 16, 15, 14, hey, are you a Christian? I would have said, yeah, absolutely. And um, and so all along my life, I feel like all of my pastors, even before I was a Christian, all of them had this fire for evangelism in them. They had a fire for sharing the gospel. So that was just, I believe the Lord sowing into my life at 18 when I said yes to him and he saved me, man, really the, the fire just ignited. My youth pastor trained me how to share the gospel. We'd go out literally door to door. We'd go find oh. groups of teenagers. So, um, and I had mentors in my life like that. The first pastor I ever served with as his student pastor, um, he was a former evangelist. And so nice. I just feel like God has put evangelists in my life. I was saved at a revival you know, evangelist was preaching there. So I just feel like as I look back and and I think about it, man, God has placed these evangelists in my life all along the way. Then he called me to go to seminary at Mid-America Seminary up in uh, the Memphis, Tennessee area. Um, and that's a seminary that takes very seriously um, our personal responsibility to share our faith. And so mm-hmm. it was just stoked more there. In 2000, I was invited to go to Amsterdam where Billy Graham was putting on this conference for international preaching evangelists. And again, that is really where God called me um, one night uh, into what I would say into evangelism, right? Into taking this step. And, uh, and so again, God's just put people all along my way to kind of speak that into me, put them around me, light the fire inside of me. And then obviously, you know, I mean, when you read the Bible, when you read Paul, when you read Jesus, I mean, I just don't know how you read the new Testament or read the scripture and don't realize that, Hey, if people don't hear, they can't be saved. And if they're going to hear, someone has to tell them. And so we have this real personal responsibility to share the gospel, both one-on-one and as God has allowed me to do and you guys to do as well um, from a platform as well. So um, that's kind of my story of, of how, as I look back, I've seen God just ignite this fire over and over and over again in my life. Yeah, I love that, Ryan. And in the in the in the same vein of your story, tell us about Rage Ministries, man. Like how that got yeah. started, and and then what that is able to provide uh, the yeah. local church and different networks and state conventions and those things. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, when you hear the word rage, a lot of people think this anger, this intense anger, right? And and, and that is true. And and I think one of the things that a lot of people say, like rage against the machine, some of you will get that. You know, and, and in a real way, both of those are yes. Rage yeah. simply stands for reaching a generation endangered. Um, the ministry is really birthed out of Judges 2.10. It says there grew up a generation after them who... Mm-hmm did not know the Lord, nor what he had done. And honestly, Shane, about 20 years ago, I was reading through the Bible, came to Judges 2.10. It was like the Lord showed up in the room. And as I was doing youth ministry at the time, it was just like, this is what I'm calling you to give your life to, to make sure that Judges 2.10 is never said of another generation. Mm. And so, man, I believe it's our call as evangelists to, number one, proclaim the gospel, and number two, to help prepare others to do the same. Um, Ephesians would talk about that God has given the evangelists to the church to 
to equip the body to do the work of ministry. So honestly, in 2003, I started full-time with Rage Ministries, whatever full-time is as an evangelist when you first start out, right? (laughs) Uh, In other words, I stepped away as a student pastor, started traveling full-time. God has obviously grown that throughout the years. Uh, Traveled full-time for seven years doing evangelism. Then God called me to replant the church where I spent a decade as a lead pastor, nearly a decade as a lead pastor doing a revitalization of a church, loved uh, the church and God did an incredible work there. But in 2019, uh, really realized, hey, God has called us to this full time. Could not do both well. So God enabled me to hand the church off to the next lead pastor. And so we're back at it full time and just going after this generation. So Rage Ministries exists, number one, to preach and proclaim the gospel to the next generation. But then secondly, that second part of the call of the evangelist, I believe, is to equip or prepare others to do the same. So right. it's I don't think it's two hearts. It's, it's one heartbeat, right? It's mm-hmm. two sides of one coin. And that is to preach the gospel and prepare the next generation to do the same. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I love that. You know, Ryan, you and I've talked about this before. And then even uh, me, you and Paul have talked about this Mm -hmm. collectively on um, just some Zoom meetings and different conversations about evangelism and evangelism strategies. Mm. Um, Because typically, you know, you can, uh, you know, sit with a leader and start talking about evangelism. And then if you go, hey, what's your strategy? Uh, most of the time, it's, it's blank looks and glares, right? And yeah. so what is an evangelism strategy, first question, mm-hmm. and then follow-up question, um, why is it so important to have a strategy? Um, you know, uh, I've heard uh, Grant Skeldon say this recently, which I love, <laughs> Grant. I know he's a mutual friend of all of ours. Yeah. Uh, is, you know, a lot of times we throw around organic evangelism and he goes, I found that organic is Greek for, I don't have a plan. (laughs) That's true. That is true. Yes. So yeah, share with us. Why, what is a strategy? Why it's important? Yeah, well, well, I, I agree. And certainly, certainly, evangelism does happen organically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right? Certainly, there are those unplanned moments of sharing the gospel. Absolutely, right. but I found that when we have a plan, those unplanned moments happen a lot more often, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, when you, when you yeah. think about strategy, what I you know the, the definition of strategy even is a plan of action, and so if we're talking about even evangelism strategy, what we're really saying is, hey, what is our plan of action in the area of evangelism? In other words, Mm -hmm. how am I going to make sure that evangelism doesn't end up on the back burner, but how can I keep it at the forefront? Again, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. There are lost people everywhere. And so if I don't keep this plan in front of me, then man, I will just go through living my life. I think it's important I think it's important uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, We don't naturally turn outward. I found we naturally turn inward, right? Um, Every church I've ever been at, every group I've ever been part of, every body in Christ I've ever been around, uh, we naturally turn inward. We naturally like hanging out with people that think like us, talk like us, believe like us. But to turn outward, man, it takes a real intense strategy. So I would say it's not natural to go out. As a matter of fact, it's supernatural to Mm -hmm. go out. And so if we will have a strategy, what is my plan to make sure that I personally 
am sharing the gospel. Now, on a church level, I would say an evangelism strategy for a church is going, hey, what's our plan to make sure as a church we are being lights in the community God's given us? Mm -hmm. We are about the main thing, which is going telling, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And so what does that look like for us annually? What does that look like for us on a quarterly basis? What does that look like for us on a monthly basis? This is all part of a, a strategy. What is our plan? And we know this, all of our plans, if COVID has taught us anything, need to be written in pencil, right? Yep. Uh, as as yep. our board over here is dry erase board, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so we have plans and we have them with open hands. But as my wife likes to say, prior planning prevents poor performance. It's the five <laughs> P's, right? Yeah. So I would say, man, when it comes to evangelism, many of us don't evangelize simply because we don't plan to. So strategy for me is is very, very important. Just Love kidding. that, man. That is so good. Could you help us kind of give some examples, some stories, or some kind of bring it down practically? Imagine a pastor, BCM director, mm -hmm. college director, or youth pastor coming to you and be like, hey, I hear you on the strategy, but what do I do? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, a lot of guys, you know, we just don't know where to start. You know, we're mm -hmm. like, hey, I, I need to get going. So here's what I would do. If I'm talking with a church, if I'm talking with a student pastor, if I'm talking with a, a BCM director, if I'm talking, whoever it is, if they're like, man, I want to get serious and I want to get more uh, consistent in evangelism, uh, I need to put a strategy together. Here, here's some very simple steps that I would say. Number one uh, is, the, is, is evaluation. Uh, let's look at where you are right now. So let's take, for instance, a student minister who says, man, you know, I believe our teens need to reach their friends for Jesus. I said, okay, well, let's start with the evaluation. Where are you now? What are you doing? What have you done? Um, what, what training, you know, anything, whether it be events, whether it be nights, uh, emphasize evangelism, whether that be training they've done on how to share the gospel, what have you done? So step one is evaluation. See where you are, what you have done. Secondly, I move to determination. Um, that This is the whiteboarding uh, where you literally begin to determine, hey, where do we want to go from here? So mm -hmm. here's where I am. So let's, let's say here's where I want... In a year, here's where I want our students to be. In a year, two years, here's where I want our church to be. In five years, here's where I want us to be. So evaluation, where you are, determination, where you're going to go, where do you want to see yourself, and then the exploration. You get that whiteboard, that blank whiteboard, and you just begin to dream. What yeah, can we yeah. do as a church to reach lost people? How can we get our people engaged? Uh, what is effective around? So you just begin to write down ideas. This is what I call that brain dump, right? Write down ideas of evangelism. Here's what we've done in the past. Here's what I've done. Here's what I heard this church was doing. Just write them all down. Just as much mm -hmm. as you can think of. Spend 10, 15 minutes just writing it down. It's best, by the way this is done with a team, right? Yeah, and a yeah, team yeah. is you and at least someone else, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, you know, some of you, I don't have a team. You've got one other person. Don't do it alone. So yeah. evaluation, I would tell them. Then determination, where do you want to go? Then the exploration, what could we do? Now, 
You're going to have this whiteboard or this piece of paper full of stuff. You'll get overwhelmed. That's why you go to the next part, which is simplification. So in mm, simplification, like what are two or three things that we that really kind of rise to the top for us? Right. Two or three things that, man, we're like, oh, yes, that mm -hmm. one right there, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to have a sheet full of things that you may never do, but there are two or three that are just like, yes, that that's what maybe five, whatever, man, pick out your top two, three, four, five. And then from simplification, you got to move. This is where most people stop. You got to move to activation. Um, this mm -hmm. is the Nike, just do it right. Mm -hmm. Like out of those five, pick one and do it, pick one and get started. So simplification uh, moves to activation, choose your one to three things that you can do now. This is, this, is, this is where the cycle starts over. Then after a period, three months, six months, a year, whatever time yep. frame you've put in place for these, go back to evaluation. Hey, mm -hmm. is it working, right? Yeah, again, it doesn't good. become a sacred cow, right? It's still on the table. Hey, let's see, is this working? What do we need to tweak? What can we do better? So say you choose to do an outreach program, right? Okay, awesome. Do that but make sure you evaluate it. Is it effective? Are your people taking part? So I think those steps right there really help any church, any ministry, anywhere begin to move the needle on evangelism inside of their church. And so as we work with churches, that's one of the things we do. We say, hey, let's look at these areas. And what you're doing, that, that means I'm not doing it for you. I'm just coaching you through this mm. and you're actually owning this and your DNA is being, being breathed into this all along the way. So I don't think it's a one size fits all. I think this way you go, Hey, where are you? How's God gifted you? What area are you in? What context do you find yourself in? So those would be some steps I would take anybody through. Oh man, that That's is super helpful. That is so yeah. great. Yeah. I love that, that, the evaluation piece, because, and I think a lot of times next get, next gen leaders are afraid to do that piece. Yeah. Cause they, yeah. they almost in the back of their mind, they think <laughs> maybe, maybe my job's on the line, right. you know, right. if I don't, right. and they, they almost have to sell them constantly sell themselves. I know college ministers yeah. that raise support are saying, yeah. Hey, look at me. We're yeah. reaching people. Right. But even just, if you can just be brutally honest, you know, embrace the brutal facts, yes. yeah. you know, and right. celebrate what God is doing. But really, we need to measure not based on what's happening internally in our ministries, but mm -hmm. based on the harvest. Like, that's the right. Harvest is plentiful. And so our visions should reflect the needs of the lost in our generation, mm -hmm. not what we think we can accomplish based on our limited resources yeah, um, in man. our church. So, I agree. Yeah. Any, any thoughts on that? Um, kind of that, that idea of just how, how, making big goals, any ideas there for me, how to make yeah. big goals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think for, uh, for big goals, man, I, I think dream big, right. Um, dream big. I mean, we have, we have this thing that we're working on right now, you know, it's called 1 million cents and, yes. and here's yeah. the, here's the goal. Here's the, here's the dream. By 2030, we will train a million teens around the globe to share the gospel mm -hmm. by 2030. So this is a big goal. Uh, it's a big dream. Um, but what we're going to have to do all along the way is evaluate it. Hey, where are we? What's working? What's not working? And so that's part of setting the goal, setting the dream, getting the plan together, get people mm -hmm. around you that believe in it, that can help breathe into it. But then, Paul, I love what you said, man. 
like stop and evaluate along the way. I'm the world's worst at that because I'm a gas pedal guy. I don't look <laughs> in the rearview mirror. Um, and I'm, hey, what's next? What's next? What's next? Which is awesome, but it's also awful. One of my friends told me, hey, your greatest strength is also your greatest weakness for all yeah. of us, right? And so if we don't take those times to intentionally pause on these dreams and look, okay, how can we shift? What needs to change? What's working well? What do we need to fan, man? It's going. What do we need to fan some fire into, right? Let's go. So, but the evaluation piece is massive and don't be scared to evaluate. But we, you're right. We often equate evaluation with, hey, this is, uh, this is not good. No, it is good. Let's make it good. Learn from it and walk out of it better. So okay. that's great. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. I would, another kind of in line with that, there's a lot of churches and, and, that are in listening in and pastors and leaders that maybe they don't have a lot of young people or maybe not any young people, mm -hmm. but they want to reach this next generation. What would you say to that group that, man, they want to reach the next generation. What are some ways to get started? Yeah. You know, um, in all honesty, Paul, I think a lot of people say they want to reach the next generation. Mm -hmm. I think the first thing to do is really pause, check your heart, and see if that's true. Um, do you really want to reach them? And if you do, then you've got to understand. Uh, it, it's not unlike when I went to replant or do this revitalization of this church in the DFW area. Um, I told the, the, the committee interviewing me, right? I was like, hey, what's not on the table? What's a non-negotiable? Like what, 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 is not, what are we not willing to get rid of? And I said, if it's anything but Jesus, that means everything's got to be on the table but the gospel in order for us to turn this, see this thing turned around. I'm not saying we're going to do away with everything because mm -hmm. maybe not everything needs to go, but everything has to be on the table That's because good. whatever's not on the table is God, right? It is Lord. And so we had to lay, make sure, hey, so I would tell people this. I would say, listen, if you want to reach the next generation, make sure everything's on the table. Now, once yeah. we're there, um, I actually have, I think, a seven-part uh, message on reaching Generation Z. Um, right. So you asked for one of those. And if there's one uh, that one or two that I would say, number one, it's invest. And invest, I mean, spiritually investing and praying for the next generation. You, you want to reach the next generation, start praying for the next generation because here's what's happening. Mm -hmm. What happens when we pray spiritually for not, not just once, but when it's, when it's top of the list, top of your prayer meeting, top of your small group meeting, top of your Sunday school class prayer list is reaching the next generation. Then it becomes your heart. And until it becomes your prayer, until it becomes top of the list in your spiritual life, it's never going to become top of the list in your, in your practical life. Yeah, so number one, pray for the next generation. All right. That's what I would say. And then um, I would say massive key, a massive key of reaching the next generation is including the next generation in the life blood of your church. Right. In other words, yeah. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> when people say, I want to reach the next generation, does that mean you just want them here on Sunday morning sitting in the pew? Is that what you're talking mm -hmm. about? Because wow. that's not going to happen. Right. This generation, Generation Z, is an activist generation. They want to be part of a mission. They want to be part of a movement. They want to be part of making a difference. So we have to, as a church, figure out how do we get Gen Zers involved in the life 
of our church. You've got to include them. I'm talking about everything from opening a door for people on Sunday morning to leading in worship to teaching lessons to preaching to, you know, I'm talking about, man, you've got to get them involved in every aspect to dreaming, to visioning, all of that. So I would say, number one, invest in them spiritually by praying for them. Number two, include them in the mission, vision, lifeblood of the church. Yeah, that's so good, Ryan. I love that. Hey, and I, man, that's a great segue um, to our our vision of this podcast. You know, we always close every conversation with this same on mission charge that the heart behind the next gen on mission podcast is that the next generation would realize they're the now generation, not just the future of the church, but the church right now that they have a mission on their life. Now they're called to get in the game. Now they're called to kingdom work right now. So would you give us one closing thought on that and one practical next step? I love how practical you've been in this conversation. Man, thanks. Yeah, uh, I love that. I love it's the next gen on mission, right? Yeah. And uh, at, at our ministry, Rage Ministries, we have a hashtag on all our social media. Hashtag we are rage, right? Mm-hmm. We are reaching a generation endangered. Now, why is that our hashtag? Here's why. Because we know that reaching the next generation, it's not a me thing. It's a we thing. Right. It's something we have to do together. So if I could just give a charge to Gen Zers right now, to those listening right now. Listen, you are where you are, not by chance, but by providence. God has put you right where you are. The grade you're in, the team you're on, the neighborhood you live in. Hey, youth pastors, pastor, the church you're in, God has put you right there for a reason. That is to make him known. So we all have a part to play. Uh, We all have someone in our life that needs Jesus. God has put you there. So remember, reaching this next generation, it's not a Shane thing, a Paul thing, a Ryan thing. It's not a platform thing. It's a you thing. It's a we thing. We all have to be part of this. So begin to take serious your role, your design, the call of God on your life where you are, because you don't want to look back five years from now when you're out of high school, five years from now when you're out of college and go, man, I wish I would have told that guy about Jesus. Man, Mm -hmm. I wish I would have shared my faith more. I've never heard anybody say, man, I wish I never would have told that person about Jesus, right? (laughs) Even if the conversation goes bad, man, I've never heard anybody say that. So your own mission right where you are, get after it. I love that, man. You're right. I've never heard someone go, man, I wish I wouldn't have talked about Jesus so much. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yes. That's awesome, yes. right? I love it. And, man. A, yeah. and a great reminder of the sovereignty of God is that God has put yeah. us where we are to reach the people that are around yeah. us. And so we can right. know, hey, we're sent on this mission, man. Mm-hmm. Yes, we could go all day about this. Right? <laughs> I, I know that our listeners are going to want to connect with you, follow mm-hmm. you. So what are some ways that they can do that? Yeah, man, the easiest way on any social media, search the hashtag we are rage. You can go to rageministries.com. We have all our social media there. If you search the hashtag we are rage, you'll find my accounts. You'll find um, our ministry accounts. As I like to say this, search the hashtag on Facebook if you're over 30, you know, Instagram if you're in your 20s, TikTok if you're somewhere below that, man, you'll find us. It's awesome. Check out YouTube, all that. So you'll find us there. Hashtag we are rage. 
Yeah, that's awesome, man. I love that breakdown. And and then we could add one. Uh, if you're angry at the world, check out Twitter. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Amen. <laughs> awesome, yeah. Hey, well, Brian, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation, man. So good. Yeah. So rich. So practical, mm-hmm. man. That's what I love you, man. You have a big vision. <laughs> you have a passion for Jesus. But you're also so practical and you're such a, a help to the local church, to the Thanks, body of, of Christ, to really take some next steps to point people to Jesus. So friends, also thank you for listening. I hope this conversation was helpful for you. Um, If you ever have any questions whatsoever on reaching the next generation, please reach out to us at evangelism at nam.net and we'll try to address those on a future podcast. Thank you again for being part of the Next Gen on Mission podcast community. If this podcast and conversation is a help to you, please share it with your friends. Give it a five-star rating. Give it a follow if you're on Spotify. And we just want to keep spreading the word so others can join this conversation with us. Hey, we pray you have a great rest of your day and tell somebody about Jesus.